This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. They may never lose another game again. Spot quiz. Am I talking about the Vancouver Canucks or the Edmonton Oilers? Both these teams last night snatching victory from the jaws of defeat. The Canucks beat the Islanders by a final score of 4-3. to The Oilers do same, same score against the Seattle Kraken. Welcome to the program. Uh, glad to have you aboard today for this Thursday, November 16th. And the good news is, when my nonsense is over here in a couple of hours, we get to watch NHL hockey. Yes, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern, 11 Pacific. We get to watch the Detroit Red Wings and the Ottawa Senators. Uh, the Global Series in Stockholm, very much upon us. A game a day. So today, tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, start times 2 o'clock for the next two days, and then Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern. Getting up early, West Coast, and uh, just for a little bit of spice as well, 8 a.m. Eastern on Sunday morning. Oh, that's a tough one, even if you do live in the Eastern time zone. Uh, nonetheless, uh, love afternoon hockey, love morning hockey as well. So this will be a real delight. We're going to talk a lot about Swedish hockey uh, coming up here in the next couple of hours. I'm uh, going to ask Elliot about um, Swedish hockey uh, in a couple of moments. Mike Zeisberger will join us from Sweden. He's there covering uh, for NHL.com. As I mentioned, Ottawa facing off against Detroit here coming up in a couple of hours. Uh, Toronto and Minnesota, those are the other teams that are there for the, the Global Series in Stockholm. Uh, so we'll talk Talk about those things with those gentlemen as well. Also, Shannon Goldman stops by to kick off Hour 2. Ian McIntyre will talk to us about the Vancouver Canucks, who, if you have a look at your standings, they find themselves in first place in the Western Conference. That's right. The Vancouver Canucks are not just first in the Pacific, but they are first in the entire Western Conference. And if you have a look as well at your individual stats, ladies and gentlemen, your top three point getters are all Vancouver Canucks, all tied with 26. Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson, and JT Miller. Pretty good, right? How much would you pay? 10, 20, 30, 40, don't answer. There's more. Brock Besser now tied with Cal Connor and Austin Matthews with 13 goals. That is the lead in the NHL as well. Everything is working in Vancouver. Everything is working in Vancouver. So why do you got a boo Bo Horvat last night? That's one of the stories we'll get into here with Elliot in a couple of moments. And we'll talk about uh, with Ian McIntyre coming up in hour two. Um, just a quick note, coming off of yesterday's show, you know, I told the story of Ulf Sterner uh, and the Boston Bruins and training camp uh, and how he, you know, decided to ingratiate himself with uh, his fellow teammates with the Boston Bruins and decided to, while they were out on the ice, take the false teeth and all their cups of water. This was the era where everybody had false teeth, and before you got on the ice, you took out the chompers and you put them in the glass of water, switched them all, thinking it would ingratiate him with the team. Uh, quite the opposite happened. And I got a note uh, yesterday when the show went off the air from Pete Dalladay, who does mornings at uh, Fresh Radio in Peterborough, who reminded me of a, a wonderful story as well involving George Armstrong and Johnny Bauer. So the Ulf Sterner hockey teeth story is one thing, but this has taken it to another level. So the George Armstrong, Johnny Bauer false, false teeth story starts with this. Um, George Armstrong lived beside a funeral home in Toronto when he played. We know he was pals with Johnny Bauer and would love to play practical jokes on Johnny Bauer. You probably see where this thing is going, right? So George Armstrong, according to Pete, would get his false teeth or would get false teeth from 
the funeral home. And after the Maple Leafs would practice or after the Maple Leafs would play, uh, I'll just read you the, uh, the DM that he sent me. Word has it, Johnny Bauer would shower, get dressed, slick his hair, and the last thing he would do is, of course, put in his teeth. Armstrong would switch them up while Johnny was in the shower with teeth from the funeral home, wearing a dead man's teeth. Then when he tried to put in the dead guy's teeth, he would yell, Chief, knowing damn well who it was. That's a nice start to your day, isn't it? Wearing a dead man's teeth. Wearing a dead man's shoes is one thing. Teeth, uh, that's a whole other kettle of fish. Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Can you top that story, putting in a dead man's teeth, Elliot? No, I, I can't really do that. I used to see my grandfather put in his <laughs> teeth in the morning, though. That's, that's an image you don't forget. Yeah. No, I know. And I, you know, I was telling the story yesterday. We were talking about the Global Series and Swedish hockey, and I want to get your thoughts on a couple of things as well um, that we'll see over the next four days in Sweden. But I was telling the story of Ulf Sterner going to the Boston Bruins training camp, and as a, a way to play a practical joke on his teammates before one of the morning skates, he switched all the teeth in all the cups. So the only way to figure out whether it was your own teeth was to try on all the other teeth. The Bruins players were none too amused, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. Elliot's. And that joke uh, went over quite poorly. But nonetheless, um, before we get to the games that we're going to see starting today with the Ottawa Senators and the Detroit Red Wings, a couple of things coming off of last night. And Mm -hmm. the big one was the return of Bo Horvat. And in the warm-up, you know, taking a knee and waving to fans and tears in his eyes. And then tears in his eyes later on uh, as a video tribute uh, was shown. He scored a goal, was looking real good for the Islanders. And then Vancouver does what Vancouver does, just asserted themselves on on the Islanders. I want to get to what this means for New York. I want to get some thoughts on the Vancouver Canucks as well. Um, but did you have a thought on, you know, the uh, the Bo Horvat phenomenon yesterday in Vancouver? This must have been something that, you know, uh, the moment he was traded to the Islanders and the moment the schedule was released, it was a date that he probably circled and has been thinking about it probably every day. He, uh, you can see he was nervous about it. There's there's no question. I I laughed at uh, JT Miller's quote postgame where he told him not to be <laughs> such a crybaby. Yeah, I think yeah. that, you know, I think what this is a really good reminder of, Jeff, is the difference between the online world that we perceive as real but really isn't and the real world. And, um, you know, I if you remember when Matt Sundin came back to Toronto, that ovation was so emotional yeah. for him that he had to back away from the faceoff. And... Yep. Because, uh, you know, I, I think you hear so much stuff about yourself that you that isn't true or how people really feel like you, you just rem- you, you forget that the online world is only a small piece of the real world. And it's not indicative of the way people really feel. Um, and so you, you get this in your head that uh, I don't know if these people really like me. And you find out that the vast majority if you put to, if you put together yeah. a good effort, like people can forgive not great results as long as you give a great effort. I think people understand there's only one Stanley Cup champion every year. There's teams that haven't won it ever or haven't won it in a long time. It's hard to win. And as long as you give a great effort, people are going to be thankful over that. And, um, you know, I think the vast majority of Canucks fans they recognized that Bo Horvat gave them everything he could. And the reasons that it didn't work 
weren't all on Bo Horvat. And I think I, I and it's like I, like I think that most people see it that way, and I wasn't surprised by the reaction at all. Yeah. How just a, a final thought on Horvat, and then I want to move along. Uh, how do you look? We talked a lot on, on yesterday's program while you were writing um, about the legacy of Bo Horvat in Vancouver. He was someone that. You know, um, you know the, that famous Vancouver Canucks, New Jersey Devils trade, um, and Bohorvat gets selected by Vancouver in the first round. Uh, Corey Schneider goes to New Jersey. Here comes uh, the London Knights stud, and then there's the captaincy, and it's a dark time. It's a tumultuous time for the Vancouver Canucks. He kind of bridged two generations um, of Vancouver Canucks teams here. How do you look back at the uh, at the time that Bohorvat spent in Vancouver? Well, I just think that, uh, you know, he gave them everything he could. Um, how did he shortchange them? He didn't. Uh, he he was the yeah. captain. He was selected as the captain. Uh, obviously, they saw a lot of good things in him. And, you know, at the end of the day, what, what it came down to was, you know, in a cap world, especially with the cap not going anywhere the last couple of years, you have to make hard decisions. And, yeah. um, you know, the, you, you're seeing what, you know, they, they, they kept Hughes. They paid Miller. Um, they're going to pay Patterson. That's going to get sorted out. And, um, you know, unfortunately, you have to make hard choices. And that doesn't mean that Bull Horvat's a bad guy or they don't think highly of him. It just means you have to make choices. And that was the choice yeah. the Canucks had to make. And that's, that's the way I look at it. I know, like, the one thing, Jeff, I understand, we talked about this a little bit the other day, you know, we work in a similar business to the one the athletes are in, in the sense that we don't get to write our own goodbyes very often. Very, very few times True. you get to call your shot in, in pro sports or in media. And so that's the thing I understand. Like in the moment, you've got a lot of pride. You're elite, so you think in an elite way. You take it as a personal insult. Like I get all that. Um, the bottom line is sometimes the ground shifts beneath us and uh, things happen that we don't like, but you just have to find ways to move on. And that's what Horvat and the, uh, and the Islanders did. I'm not surprised in the least. He got a great ovation last night. I didn't think the Vancouver fans would act any differently, but I could understand why Horvat would be a little bit concerned. Uh, speaking of the Islanders, they've now lost six games in a row. Uh, we've talked plenty about what happened against Washington on Saturday and the Casey Sezikis comments afterwards. Uh, I would have to think that Lou Lamorello is looking to turn things around. One of the obvious places might be a, uh, a left winger to play with Barzal and, and Horvat. What do you think is going on with the Islanders here? Well, I mean, there's what I think and there's what I can prove, which is when it comes to Lou Lamorello, uh, it's almost nothing. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of look at it this way. I think they're, uh, I, I think they're looking for a score. I think they've been looking for a score mm-hmm. for some time. I wouldn't be surprised if they're also in on this defenseman conversation, like potentially with some of Calgary's guys. Um, I think they're, mm-hmm. um, I think they're there. I think you always have to worry, um, uh, as much as I really love Lane Lambert, the person, I think you always have to worry about do they make a coaching change uh, to get themselves. Now we've seen one. You wonder if more teams talk about this. 
Um, do they have to go yeah. and make a coaching change? Um, I think, but I, I don't think he's quiet. Like, like the one thing that was obvious was coming out of the, uh, out of the GM meetings. You know, a lot of people don't like to, uh, don't like to say what Lou Amarillo is up to and the way he conducts his business and out of respect for him. But they said, <clears throat> put it this way, he's not sitting on his hands. He's definitely looking at mm-hmm. doing some stuff out there. Just need a partner. But I think a scorer and a defender, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he's around Calgary's defenseman. I think there's probably a lot um, around the Calgary defenseman. Uh, we're going to probably get into more on that um, during the podcast. We'll record later on today and release tomorrow morning. Meantime, um, a couple of notes on the on the Vancouver Canucks here. One, two, and three in scoring. Brock Besser tied with Cal Connor and Austin Matthews for the goal scoring lead. Thatcher Demko having a, an exceptional season, and you know everyone's talking about Rick Tockett and the and the, and the Jack Adams. Um, your thoughts on what we saw last night, led by Quinn Hughes. Um, once again, Vancouver now first in the Pacific, first in the Western Conference, as we all predicted, Elliot. Yes. Well, I definitely knew this was coming. I saw it all the way. Um, the, <laughs> the thing about the Canucks is that when, when you ask people about the best teams in the NHL, like when Chicago was at their best, I remember talking to uh, like Nick Schmaltz and um, – uh, Ryan Hartman, when they first showed up in Chicago, and I asked them you know, just about what it was like to join that team, he, they said that the thing that really stood out to them was the games were never over. Like, they could be down two or three goals, and they would just say, like, yeah. we are not out of this. And, you know, when Tampa Bay was in town uh, earlier this month, I asked Nick Paul, and he said the same thing. He said that one of the first things I noticed when we got here was that the players believed the games were never over. Like, they were never out of them. And, like, I think good teams are wired that way. That, yeah, there's some nights you don't have it. You have your stinkers. But there's a lot of other nights where you look at it and say, we're down, but we can still win. And, like, that Vancouver game last night, you can tell that the belief is growing. Like, they were, they were out shooting the Islanders, um, even though they were losing. And they just felt... You can tell they felt that they were going to find a way, and they did. And, mm-hmm. um, again, like the, the, Jeff, I, I think that the thing that separates Vancouver from a lot of other teams, and it happened again last night, is their best players are showing up every night. Like, in this league, you need yep. goaltending, you need depth, and you need your best players to be great. And once again, Vancouver's best players – have been consistently great. And that is that is what's separating them from a lot of other teams. How about Philip Verona cranking it up around 107.9? Like just one of the hardest shots we've ever yeah. seen. 107.9 from Verona last night. Good Lord. Uh, Vancouver 10-1-1 in their last 12 games. Um, I'm always amused in Edmonton, Elliot, when a new coach comes in and they try to separate McDavid and Dreisaitl, but then the temptation yeah. is just too great, and you put them back together. Case in point last night with Chris Knobloch. How long did that take? About 20 minutes? Until he yeah, just said, yeah, forget about it. We're putting these two together again. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it is funny. It is hilarious. It's, it's like, it's, it's easy to talk a big game. I, I remember there was a baseball manager once, uh, Joe Kerrigan, who used to manage the Red Sox. And I remember, I think it was Jimmy Williams that got fired, and he came in there, 
and uh, he talked about how we're using too many different lineups. You know, we have to use the same lineup. And then the season finished and somebody counted back and said, well, the, the, the 50 games he managed, they used like 47 different lineups. Like, it's easy to talk about something, and then you get in the hot seat and you realize, whoa, there's yeah. things here that I never considered. So I get it, Jeff. Like, I do. I mean, the other thing, too, is in the first game, Nurse was third most minutes on defense for for Knobloch, the Monday game against the Islanders. Now, yeah. I just checked it quickly after the game last night. I think he was back up around 24, 25 minutes again and was first. I have to check how it went in overtime to see if that really affected it. But that was another thing. Like, they were saying, okay, less is more, less is more for Nurse. And in game two, he's back number one among defense. So it is kind of funny. Like, I think about that a lot. You know, people who say, well, this is what's wrong, this is what's wrong. And then you get in the chair and you realize, ooh, there was a reason things were done this way. Uh, good effort by the Oilers last night coming back to defeat the Seattle Kraken. Although, and I'm sure you're probably the same way, when Vincent DiHarnay almost threw it in his own net, uh, mm-hmm. which I think I would have made a 4-1 to at that point, you probably said to yourself, oh man, that was the moment where, listen, along the way in any hockey game or hockey series, you need a little bit of luck, uh, and the Oilers got it there. That could have been disastrous. Uh, yes, for Deharnay, nurse but, stopping uh, the net or two. Luck. That was a big play. That, was nurse that stopping one as well. The netter was a huge play too. Yes. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so uh, a couple of more. What's wrong with Carolina right now? I mean, yesterday, uh, Philadelphia comes in, Carter Hart returns, uh, first star, 31 saves. Something is really off with the Carolina Hurricanes. Jordan Stahl commented on it after the game last night as well about sort of not buying into the whole package here. something's, Something's wrong with Carolina here, Elliot. Well, I think the one thing that I see, Jeff, is they're not scoring as much as uh, they used to. Um, um, You know, I I think at the beginning of the year, it was goaltending. They were, like, they weren't, like, the underlying numbers, I think from what I, the last time I checked, it indicated that they weren't necessarily bleeding chances. They just weren't getting saves. And, you know, that Mm -hmm. generally, I think, sorts itself over time. But they don't look to be as dangerous a team offensively as they have been in the past. And, um, like, let me just look at – you look at some – I was checking this out the uh, other day. I was looking at some of their scores recently, and it just seemed as if, you know, they were just in a situation where they just didn't seem as dangerous. Um, You know – uh, 2-1, 4-3, 3-2, lost 5-2. They have a 4 nothing game, but they lost a 3-1 a game. Um, you know, like, it just seems that uh, like, they always grinded to score against you. Um, they have some really mm-hmm. natural goal scorers. Like, like, I don't think they're lacking that. But the way they scored was they grinded you down and they just took advantage of you. I don't see as much of that happening this time around i will say this when it comes to them i tend not to worry about them too much because i just think that they have a certain way they play that eventually works itself out um there's a reason they consistently uh, they've gone a bit farther in the playoffs the last two years i think that's a really good team um but earlier they weren't getting the saves this year they're now they're not getting the goals as much 
I just think they're too good and mm-hmm. they'll sort themselves out, out over time. I don't, I don't worry about them as much as Jordan Stahl does, I guess. Um, Global Series, uh, Detroit and Ottawa, 2 o'clock Eastern, 11 Pacific. You know, as this show exits the airwaves, uh, we can all snuggle up to our, uh, our tablets and our televisions and our phones and, uh, and watch Detroit versus Ottawa. Um, so this is the NHL going to Sweden. Sweden has a, a long hockey tradition, as we all know. Um, you and I are both the same vintage, uh, grew up in the same area, uh, grew up watching uh, Swedish hockey through a Borea Salming lens. Uh, when yep. you think of the evolution of Swedish hockey specifically, and, and one thing that I, that I always go out of my way to point out, and you know, the, the Swedes when they started coming in in the 1970s, like well, let's not forget in, in international hockey, um, there was, you know, no body checking allowed in the offensive zone. Like the idea of body checking in the three distinct zones was completely foreign to the Swedes that came over to the NHL. So they got branded a certain way because they weren't physical hockey players. It wasn't that they weren't tough or they weren't strong. They just didn't body check. Like that was never their game, which is why I think a lot of people took a lot of delight. I know I did as someone that admires Swedish hockey, that for a time there, Peter Forsberg was the best power forward in the NHL. I really liked that for a lot of reasons, namely because of what everyone had gone through in the 70s uh, who came over from Sweden. How do you see, like, how have you seen the, the evolution of Swedish hockey from, you know, the, uh, the Salmings and the Hammerstroms coming in uh, to Swedish hockey right now? Well, you know, I think that, first of all, you know, Mark Mulvoy was the winner this year of the, uh, uh, of the award, uh, was the Hall of Fame inductee uh, from the Professional Hockey Writers Association this year. A longtime editor, Sports Illustrated, a guy who covered hockey for a long time. And, Jeff, I'm sure you read Face Off at the Summit, which was the book oh, yeah. he did with Ken Dryden at the 72 Canada-Russia series. And... You know, one of the things about that book is people don't like people forget that there were there were the eight games against Russia against the Soviet Union, and there were three other games. There were two games against Sweden in the middle, and there was a game against the former Czechoslovakia after it was over. Yeah, and the Sweden games were really nasty games. I, like if I remember correctly. And please forgive me if I'm getting some of the details wrong. Like Wayne Cashman had like an incident on the ice and he got uh, arrested and he actually was taken to like jail for a night. And I think the story goes that he, he ordered like Chinese food while he was waiting for everybody in the, <laughs> in, in the precinct. Yeah. But like that was, those were mean games. Like at that time, the Swedes really hadn't come over yet. You know, you mentioned Dolph Sterner. He'd had a kind of a, a negative experience. So the feeling towards the yep. northern uh, North American players was not that good. Um, but, look, like, I love Salming. He's one of my favorite players growing up. And um, and I think these games are very important. I, I, I really do. Like, I'll say this, and this is kind of unprompted. I think there's a couple of really interesting subplots going on with the Maple Leafs here as they prepare to play their two games. And the one is uh, Klingberg, and the other is Matt Sundin. And, you know, Klingberg, um, when he missed the one game last week, uh, I had people saying to me, you know, he's going to Robita Island. You won't see him again. And then he played on Saturday night against 
uh, Vancouver, and, you know, he's been kind of absent for a lot of this trip. So, like, I think, like, like obviously there's, there's, there's an injury here, and we'll see where this all goes. But I, I think it's really important to recognize, like, how, uh, how critical this trip is for, like, the Swedish players. And I think that, I, first of all, I think it's important that the NHL keeps doing these games. But secondly, I think it's such a reward for like a lot of the European players to get this opportunity. It's it's very clear how meaningful this is, and that's one thing because Klingberg is obviously doing whatever he can to just be a part of this. And the mm-hmm. second thing is like the Sunday thing I think is really interesting, Jeff. Um, you know, if I'm wrong about this, I'm sure he will. Um, I'm sure I'll hear about it. But I've always gotten the sense that <laughs> Sundin hasn't always felt welcomed in the last few years, and like there's a little been a little bit of an estrangement between him and the Maple Leafs, and the fact that he's going to dinner with them and part of their group a little bit this year, this week, I think that's pretty. Uh, I think that's pretty important. You know, Matt Sundin. Um, you know, he played his heart out for the team. He really cared a lot about them. Um, you know, unfortunately, he didn't break through and do what he wanted to do ultimately, and that was win the Stanley Cup. But he did everything he personally could have to try to take them in that direction. And uh, he should be a bigger part of the organization. So if there's like some sort of thaw this week, um, I think that's a big, important deal. Well, I mean, if if you look at the history of hockey, though, too, and you know that this this looks like it is uh, very much starting to change. Swedish hockey players, specifically, when their careers were done in the NHL, they went home and they stayed. Now we yeah. see Daniel Alfredson with the uh, with with the Ottawa Senators organization, and he's very much in the mix there. I mean, Ulf Samuelson stayed and 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 stayed stayed to coach. But by and large, you know, Swedish hockey players, like when they're done their careers, Elliot. They go home and they don't come back. Like we've seen yeah. players from other nationalities come back and work in Oregon. But the Swedes, I mean, listen, you've been to Sweden. You know how gorgeous it is. I can't blame them. But it just seems like uh, of all the countries, the Swedes are generally the ones that when they go home, they stay home. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, Alfredson stayed. As you, as you, and, you know, yeah. Sadines you talked about. Like, uh, and I think that's a great touch, by the way, the fact they're putting Alfredson on the bench. Like that's... That, that reminds me of when, yeah, I remember uh, like Roger Nielsen was allowed to coach two games for the Senators to get to, I think it was a thousand and Al Arbor was allowed to get a milestone with the Islanders. Like those yes. things are important. Um, like just having Alfredson there, you know, like Alfredson's uh, going to have a pretty big role in this group. It sounds like uh, when Steve Steos yep. met with the team a week ago, Monday, Alfredson was there. So, I, I see two things with this Alfredson. It's one of it is, you know, celebration. And we're in Sweden, put Alfredson on the bench. But I think it's another signal of how deep he's going to be in the brain trust of this team. So of the teams that are there, let's, let's close on this one. Of the teams that are there right now for the Global Series, we're going to see Detroit and Ottawa in 90 minutes here. Uh, the mm-hmm. Toronto Maple Leafs and the Minnesota Wild. 
Mm-hmm. Which is the one that you're most curious about of these four teams following all the storylines? I mean, listen, Minnesota goes limping into, into Stockholm um, after, you know, what, what's happened to, the, to, to that organization. But is there one that you're legitimately curious about here? Like, which one has your interest the most? Which team? Well, I, 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 would, I would just say I like the games day. I like, I like the rivalry between Ottawa and Detroit. I, I think it's really developed into something. Um, last year, Ottawa basically ended Detroit's playoff aspirations. This yeah. year, in their first meeting, Detroit got some measure of revenge. They were the ones, and, and DeBrinket had a really big day against his former team. Like this is a this is turning into a rivalry. Without without a playoff series, the, these two groups are really beginning to dislike each other. So I like that. Other than that, I mean, Toronto's always the biggest story, right? That's what everybody else loves hearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, quick thought on the Minnesota Wild, who limp into this one? Yeah, I mean, uh, they're they were they're struggling. I mean, they you're hoping if you're them that Gustafson going home can get his game back mm. going. Like that's that's a big one. They have to get Gustafson is a huge piece of of who they are, and uh, he needs to get going. And also, you know, Kaprizov has been quiet. Like, we talked about Vancouver. Vancouver's best players yeah. are consistently their best players. Minnesota's best players have to get going. Amen. Okay, uh, you get going. Enjoy your afternoon. Uh, we'll talk to you a little bit later on this evening on the podcast. In the meantime, enjoy your day, Elliot. We'll chat soon. I just got lost walking in my own neighborhood. That's how my day is going today. Well, I, I know you have a problem. Well, we, we know you have that broken compass in your head. That's okay. Just just call Steph and ask her how to get you home. Just call her and tell her you're standing. You're, where, you're staying put. She'll come, she'll come pick, pick you up. up. Yeah. <laughs> where do we live, hon? Uh, all right, on that, we'll hit a break.